Hi, everyone. Welcome back to It's Probably Fine. So this is really weird. I'm currently recording this by myself because we had to cut Ellen's little podcast into two parts because we talk so much. Um, just as a little recap, we left off after talking about the weekend and after we'd heard about our loss and processing the news um, of Ellen. So let's try to get back into it, starting with Sunday night. Um, so if you need a little recap, just listen to the, the second half of the, the first episode um, and stick with us. Thanks. to start um the day of so the morning it actually was a doc the doctor snap call was sunday night that's right i remember she, that and this is why i love her so god anita much. i love her so much um so it's sunday night it was like 10 10 30 at night and i'm getting a call on my cell phone i don't answer numbers that i don't know but i was like Okay, a lot of weird shit has happened to me this weekend. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is more information for me. So I answer, and it is my doctor calling me from her personal cell phone number, or work cell phone. I don't fucking know. And uh, From Sandals, Jamaica. Yeah. <laughs> like, she had gotten back from her vacation, saw, I guess, what had happened, and called us immediately. And... We basically went over everything. We went over, she said, ask me all the questions that you have. Um, this is what the information that I have. These are your choices. She never pushed us to do anything. She was like, if you want some time to still have her, like still be pregnant with her, um, I will not push you. I will push you after this certain date because then it come, becomes a health hazard for you. Mm -hmm. Um but if you want this, like she was asking, like if I wanted it to naturally go into labor and I was like, nope, I don't want to do that. Um, I want a lot of oversight with this cause I've never done this before. So help. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we basically told her we want to be in as quickly as possible on Monday, which was tomorrow mm -hmm. in this scenario. And she was like, let me make some calls. They, she, and then she called us back and said, they're booked up until Tuesday. You're going to have to wait until Tuesday. And I was like, fuck, I just like want to, I want to, I can't do this. I can't do this. I like, I'm ready to like get to the next phase of this. Like it, this is just, I need to continue moving. One more day. I need to continue moving because mm -hmm. if I can, if I stop, I will probably die. Like mm -hmm. it was really bad. Um, and, um, she, called us back, said couldn't get you until Tuesday. And I was like, oh, God damn it. I just want to do it on Monday. And she's like, let me see if I can get you in at night. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what ended up happening. But she basically, I mean, asked, we, I, I, I just remember asking her 4 billion questions. Um, Oh, we were on the phone with her for like 45 minutes. Was it really yeah, long? it was 45. It was, I remember looking at it. I was like, she just talked to us for 45 minutes at like into 11, 
o'clock plus at night on a Sunday after her vacation. I love her. Mm-hmm. And it was really helpful. And it was like, even questions, like I remember the one, the one really hard one that I had for her was, um, like, what is she going to look like? Mm-hmm. Like, what is, like, she's been gone for a couple days at this point. Like, what is this? Like, what, like, how long will we have with her afterward? You know, all the really hard questions where I was, like, mm-hmm. really nervous to ask. And she just took them in stride. And she was so gentle mm-hmm. and so understanding and sweet. And um, it was great. And I love her. Mm-hmm. And she's fantastic. And she squeezed us in on Monday night. So we got there at like eight. Um, We actually got Jimmy John's beforehand and I wanted someone to say something to me about eating before labor so I could punch him in the throat. (laughs) Like I thought that like I, well, I know my shit did not stink. I was like, please someone fucking confront me about anything. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for a fight. Yeah. Because... I will win. You ran that fucking hospital A hundred percent of the time, I will win because I just found out I lost my daughter and I'm having to fucking deliver my mm-hmm. stillborn daughter. Mm-hmm. So fucking eat me. <laughs> um, so they, um, they started medications and they started vaginal ones, which sucked real bad. That was not fun. Um... They were all so, so nice. Our nursing staff was just fantastic. My nurse from the get-go, um, her Jenny, name yeah, right? was OJ. OJ, that's it. I couldn't yeah. remember. I wanted to put it in the... Love her so much. Um, she was the first face that took us back to our room, and they, they got us pretty far away from a lot of the... Like, we were the farthest labor room from other people. Thank you. Um... And so they started medications and I basically was sitting there going like, what does this look like? I've been induced like, cause I was induced with Leo and I was like, but what does this look like? Like this is super forced. I'm only 28 weeks. And so they said they're doing some shit to my cervix and like the cervidil or I don't, I don't know. I don't even know what they put inside of me. So that's mm-hmm. cool. Uh, but it was little pills and, uh, that sucked. Um, and then we kind of got along here, um, and it started kind of picking up where they were, like, talking to me and starting to get crampy and stuff. And then I asked if my sister could come. I, for anyone who doesn't know, I don't have a fucking sister. Uh, the sister was broke. <laughs> um, and so I was just, like, <laughs> basically feel sorry for me. Well, what was the, tell them what the okay. stipulations were. So the reason, also, hi to COVID. Um, I was only allowed one birth partner. And, um, that was going to be Derek, unfortunately. And, uh, just kidding. (laughs) But, uh, so I wasn't allowed anyone other than your one person. So I asked, do the rules really apply to me when everything shitty happened? Um, and she was like, let me ask my charge nurse or whatever you call the head nurse. Um, and she went, asked her, she said, and she came back she was like, no, your sister can't come. I'm really, really sorry. And I was like, about to unload and say, it's not my sister anyway. <laughs> it's my doula. And I was like, what if I tell you my doula is coming? Cause I knew that, that was a loophole for mercy. And then before I could even say that, she was like, gave me this wink eye of like, but if your doula came, 
with a certificate that she printed off the internet, <laughs> that would be fine. That is okay. That should, can be your step, your next person. And I was like, and then I told her, I was like, well, I was going to tell you she was my doula anyway. Like she's coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like going to, she's going to come. Get her on the horn. Uh, fuck, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you guys. Which added note, you, you did have a doula. I did have a doula. And then you got a better one. Yeah. <laughs> From the internet. <laughs> and her name is me. Yeah. So, uh, Brooke became my doula. So I texted her and I was like, green light, we're doing it. I'm, I'm waiting on pins and needles because I was at the hospital for Leo's birth. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what this is going to look like. I'm going to be okay with whatever. But I just, I really wanted to make sure that you got what you wanted. Yeah. And I was like, if Rachel wants me to be there that I'm going to be there. I don't know what that's going to look like. And and you were like, you called me and I've got like my backpack. I'm ready to yeah. go. And you're like, so <laughs> is there a way that you can print off a certificate that says you're a doula? And I'm like, I'm in my car. I'm on my way to work right now because I don't have a printer <laughs> because what millennial has a fucking printer? Yeah. And so I would like go into work at like 1030 at night or something like that. And, um, I look up a doula certificate and I print it out and I white out the fake name and then I put, put my your name on real it. Name. And then I drove like 0.2 miles down the road to Mercy South because that's my office was like super close to Mercy yeah. South. And you called me and you're like, because it took me a while. It took me a while because I was trying to figure out how to like use the computer. And yeah. you're like, are you coming? And I'm like, yeah, I'm on my way. And, uh, I was real fucking nervous. I thought I was going to get arrested or something like but that. But what happened? What happened? You walked through and they oh! didn't even fucking. So they had the tents up like Rachel was talking about earlier. And I'm like, dude, it's going south. Like, it's not going to work out. They're I'm like, know I'm there was like the SWAT team is here, like the National Guard. And you were like, no, just like walk up. They're going to take your temperature. Just tell them like what you're here for. And so I walk up and it's a ghost town. There's nobody in the tents. <laughs> And I so think fucked. I'm in an episode of Black Mirror where like, no one exists and I'm going to walk into the hospital. It's going to be completely empty. And I'm like, this is, feels really weird. Am I supposed to even walk through? So then I get to the emergency doors, the, the doors that open up, and there's a person standing there that's supposed to be taking temperature. <laughs> yeah. And I just kind of like stand there for a few seconds and like wiggle around and like he, he doesn't call me over. So then I just walk past him. So nobody took my temperature. Nobody did jack shit. And then I called Derek and I'm like, I'm in, I guess. And so Derek came down with, it wasn't OJ. It was a different nurse Yeah. to get me. And she was like, oh, I didn't, I don't even think I had a mask. You had to give me a mask. Yeah. You had to get a mask. Like yeah. They let you through without a mask. Yeah. Oh on. yeah. I forgot. I didn't even, yeah. I walked in without a mask. Crazy to think about that right now. I know. And the nurse is like, did they take your temperature? And I was like, nope. And she's like we're going to need to go back. Like she was super nice. She was yeah. super pissed at them, yeah. which understandably so. And, uh, I don't know. Maybe I just like have that air of like authority. And, and they, but they were talking, they're like, I just stayed in line for half an hour and I work here. <laughs> you know? And they were like, what the fuck? How does she get through? Yeah. Like, I have no idea. And can you also tell everyone what else was in your, um, your folder oh. along with your certificate from doula school? Of course I can. Because, you know, I figured I'm bringing all of my official documents. So I had my uh, ordained minister certificate from the (laughs) universalchurchoflife.com in case I needed to marry anyone. Real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Rev Brooke. Yeah. They call me the Rev. (laughs) 
That was fantastic. Miss Rev, you nasty. Yeah. But, uh. So then I finally get up there to the fucking craft party. Yeah. But it turned out to not be that bad. That was the highlight of mm-hmm. the entire fucking thing. The next few hours were. They were pretty good. Yeah. Oddly enough. And again, that's where the guilt came in that I was feeling any type of joy in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to ask you one time. I don't remember what joke it was that I kept making. It was a guess the fart. I think it was guess oh! the fart. <laughs> and I finally was like, I'm really sorry. Am I doing the guess the fart thing too much? And do you remember what you said? I think I was like, yeah, I'm kind of done with it or something like that. Or I was like, eh. that's probably what you were thinking, but oh. you actually said something nicer. You were like, I said, is it, is it bad? Is it, is it upsetting you or is it not funny? And you were like, only when I'm sad. And I was like, <laughs> so all the time, uh, <laughs> shut it down. <laughs> yeah. It was guess the fart. It yeah. was guess the fart. And I was like, I'm done with farts. <laughs> I'm done with fucking farts. I don't want to smell any of these anyway. You two are farting on each other. <laughs> and, uh, but so all the nurses knew that she was a fake doula and it was like they're in, except the charge nurse. I was going to say not. No, there was the no, one. Our, our nurse, our like, I mean like my immediate nurses and with every shift change, they all knew you were fake <laughs> and it was really funny and they were all really excited that this was happening mm-hmm. um but the charge nurse did not need to know and she ended up finding out texting and it was a whole thing and i was like fucking tell her to come talk to me right because my daughter died right right eat, eat my ass one of them asked me was that her that asked me someone asked me so how long have you been doing this like what and i panicked and i was just like a few a few years like I'm, I'm doing nothing by the way. I'm eating a bag of potato chips, like sitting on my computer, scrolling on TikTok, like, like, you know, and all the nurses are coming in and they're checking her and they're like, oh yeah, something with the cervix. And I'm like, oh yeah, that Rachel, that's totally normal. You know, like this is what I told you, fucked. remember right before she came in, you could probably expect this. Yeah. And, uh, one of them asked me, or it might've been racist Michael Jackson that we'll get to in a minute that asked no, me. No, racist Michael Jackson knew, um. He knew I was fake? Oh yeah. He knew I was a fraud? From the, from the get-go. He, that's why he loved us. Oh. Okay. Well, someone asked me, I blanked out and, uh, it was stressful, but. Yeah. Got my name on the dry erase board. You did. Doula. Yeah. Brooke. I was the doula. Um, but so getting into the anesthesiologist. So <laughs> I, I'm a, like, so I had a, a natural birth with Leo and that's what I was planning on doing with Ellen. And I really like natural birth and that has always been something that's really important to me. Um, and something I always wanted to do. And I was like, uh, not doing that. Give me the juice. <laughs> I have enough emotional pain. Don't need the physical part. Mm-hmm. Give me the fucking juice. Can we talk about what you were like before, though? I was real crabby. I didn't want anyone to talk to me or touch me, which is not how I was with Leo's birth. Derek's ch- shaking his head no. Like, it, it's, I was so nice and warm, and I wanted to actually crawl into <laughs> Derek's body and have him hold me. Um, <laughs> I was super needy and super sweet, and it was fantastic. And this one, I was about to rip everyone's face off because I think I was just done with people. Mm-hmm. I've I've never heard you speak to Derek like that, and I've heard you fucking rip Derek up. <laughs> do you want me to do the impression? As about his breath? Wasn't it about his breath? No, it wasn't. 
but it was funny. That oh, was it when I was getting a pelvic and he yep. just fucking laid there and stared at me? <laughs> yeah. Just rolled over from his sleep and stared at me. And I was like, was that comfortable for you? Like, I'm sorry. Are you, are you having a hard time? Is this really hard for you, Derek? <laughs> and I was, just, I was me and Derek really, looked at each other and were like, really upset with him. Yeah. I was, because every time I had to get some type of exam, I was just like, I can't believe this is fucking happening to mm-hmm. me and I have to go through all of this. And then Derek just has his fucking CPAP on <laughs> over there, just chilling, hanging out. And, and I'm looking like, and I'm like, oh my God, is he going to get up? Is and he going to get up and, and hold And I kept looking at hand? him like, and he never got up and I was just making eye contact with him, like devil eye contact and being like, what the fuck are you oh doing? I'm like, what are you sleeping on? My butthole's puckering right now thinking about it. And I was just sitting there and I was waiting for him to get up, waiting for him to get up. And then she leaves and I was just like, hi. <laughs> hey, motherfucker. Remember me? Your wife that's delivering your child that is deceased? Like, hold my goddamn hand, man. Yeah. What? Which, but, let's say, like, you know, Derek was really out of fine. his mind. You know, he was grieving, not trying to give him a hard time. But it was a really, that was... A really stressful point in the evening. That sucked. For me. Uh-huh. <laughs> How about you? It was, that was sucky. It was all around sucky. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but then I started cramping really bad and started to get like little contractions and stuff. And they weren't even really contra- – I don't even remember what they felt like, but it was not good. And I knew it was just going to get worse. Yep. And I remember saying that to the nurse, to OJ. I was like, it's not going to get better, is it? And she goes, no, it's not. And I was like – Give me the juice. Mm-hmm. Bring that guy in here. And she was like, okay, well, don't make fun of his name. Should I even say his name? I already said it. Uh, you can cut it out if you want. They're like, don't make fun of him. His name is Michael Jackson. And I was like, do you got to be fucking kidding me that I'm <laughs> getting my Michael epidural Jackson. from Michael Jackson? <laughs> and I was like, this is a fake life. I'm going to wake up and this is all going to be not real. Um, but no, Michael Jackson did in fact give me an epidural and he was really great at his job. <laughs> and it also felt like I was getting an epidural from my dad because he had a lot of the same humor as my dad. But then we took a turn to racist town uh-huh. and he said the N word like at least twice. Um, Brooke has a good chunk of this on video uh-huh. and it was, it was the weirdest thing. It was the total joy and in the moment of sorrow and he was so nice. And also I was thinking that an epidural would be fucking terrible. And it was a goddamn cakewalk. It was like getting a shot. It was like getting a fucking vaccine. I actually think that that was less worse than a tetanus shot. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what OJ was doing um, while you were getting your epidural? Yes. Yeah, she was holding me. Mm-hmm. That was a big one. She like, it was nice to have that physical touch. Like she was holding me. She had like her forehead pushed up against your forehead. Yeah. Our foreheads were together. And I usually don't like when strangers touch me like ever. Um, and she was fantastic mm-hmm. and was talking to me so gently and so sweet and like very motherly that I like not how my mom talks to me. Like it was like very, like warm and comforting and I don't usually accept that from strangers and I totally did. I was like, yep, help me help Mm -hmm. just get the needle in there, get the juice of flowing. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Um, but so that happened and I just remember they gave me a pelvic after that and I was like, Nope, still feel things. Fuck off. Is this what people do? Mm -hmm. What was the point of that needle? Um, and then the new, 
anesthesiologist came in that was taking over for Michael Jackson. Uh, <laughs> Michael and Jackson. she, I remember him saying, what do you have? Like, do you have six or seven cc's or whatever the fuck it was? And she was like, yeah, I pulled up eight and a half. And he goes, oh, fuck it. Just give it to her. She's been through enough. And that's what I remember. And she did give me the whole goddamn thing. And then it went too high and I felt like I couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to have shakes and all kinds of stuff. But... And then you threw up. Oh, yeah. I forgot I threw up. I got super sick. And remember, uh, you were like super cold and it I was could, every hot time I in moved, the room. I shook mm-hmm. violently. I had a um, very, very violent, uh, like that's supposedly a reaction between the epidural and the medication that they were using to induce me. Um, I shook and shook and shook mm-hmm. and I was so cold and it was the most bizarre feeling. And every time I moved, I was so cold. So, do you remember the picture that I made for you and Derek that night? Yeah, but I can't remember what it was. I remember there was a picture, now that you say that. Mm-hmm. Oh, with Leo's face on things? <laughs> yeah, it was really great. I came. I remembered it, like, yesterday, because it came up on my, um, I don't know where I saw it, maybe on my computer or something like that, and... I was like, oh, yeah, that was that night. Because it was something about turtles. Like, was he upset? He, he found turtles at, like, that's when the park, the park that we took him to <laughs> for his birthday, he found these turtles, or he saw turtles, and then when we get close, they'd go into the um, the lake that they were living in, whatever, and he cried and, like, got so upset that these turtles were gone. Like, he was obsessed with these t- fucking turtles. And this is when the turtle obsession has started. But it was, like, mind-blowing to him. And we couldn't get him to leave the park because he couldn't find the fucking turtles. And he was crying. Like, So, so I, I put fucking. his face on uh, Michael Scott <laughs> in the, where are the turtles? <laughs> there was another one, too, but I don't remember what it was. Oh. I've got it somewhere. I do, too. Yeah. Because it was another piece of joy exactly the shit sandwich exactly um so then they turned your epidural down a little bit and then what we tried to sleep a little is golden yeah yeah i don't know if i slept probably you a little, li- right. little bit yeah because in between like feeling cold and feeling like i couldn't breathe then then it was golden mm-hmm. then we were good and they only bothered me when they needed to like take blood pressure and put more medication inside of me, but I couldn't feel a damn thing. So I was mm-hmm. like, just fucking shoot it up there mm-hmm. because, and then they started me on P- Pitocin, um, who's a wicked bitch, but I had an epidural this time. Mm-hmm. So you described your butt as like a squishy seat. I felt like I was sitting on one of those half medicine ball type things. <laughs> But each cheek was one of those half moons. Like it was just, <laughs> it was a little squishy uh, waterbed. I want, I just wanted it so bad. It was really nice. And um, that took me all the way up into the point. And, but I was like, one thing that Dr. Schnapp had said in our phone conversation was that when things start happening, they happen very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, because most of the time you don't have to, especially since I was just in my third trimester. Um, you don't have to dilate all the way to a 10 like you do mm-hmm. the full-term birth. Um, and so 
started feeling pressure. I started like bleeding and stuff. And I remember them checking me and being like, okay, well, am I going to die? She's like, there's a lot of blood. And I was like, Oh, maybe don't say that to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I started feeling a lot of pressure and a lot of like things moving downward or, or I guess just Ellen moving downward or I don't know, because it was very different than my birth with Leo. Um, and so I told them, I was like, like, it's like things are happening. There's pressure, Mm -hmm. there's movement. It, Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. down there. Like, eh. Dr. Snap said, like, this can ha- happen in, like, five minutes. And mm-hmm. it, she, they just kind of – they come out a lot quicker than a full-term baby. Um, and so they got Dr. Snap there very quickly, which was awesome because I thought she was going to miss it because I was just, like, trying not to push or do anything. Mm-hmm. But I was numb. Um, and then they um, – Dr. Snap met Brooke – who we introduced as the fake doula, and she was super into it. Thought mm-hmm. it was the greatest story ever. But also, Dr. Schnapp is my OB, yeah. and she knows that I'm not a doula. Yeah. And so she yeah. was in on it. Yeah, and she, she was. Thought, she saw this certificate, and then she also saw your Reverend, <laughs> Reverend Brooks certificate. Yes. She was I wear many hats. Yeah, she tells that story to people now. <laughs> um, but so then I everything happened very, very quickly. And then that's when I asked Brooke to step out just for the birth itself. Um, and then we, I keep saying we, she popped out of me. Um, I delivered her and it was super easy. I think I like pushed one time, not even, I think it was just, it was just so different than the birth with Leo. Um, also he was like nine pounds. So, um, so she was out and it was dead silent. Like no one said anything. Um, what did you Yeah, because you got to see her and I remember being upset. Like not upset, but I was just like, I, I wish I could see her. Like I remember being like, uh, oh, I forget that he can mm-hmm. see everything. Um, but I just remember like the silence just being like, deafening because when I had Leo he came out of screaming and wailing and healthy and you know how a baby's supposed to and the nurses you know yeah and they're like oh he's here happy birthday blah 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 and they're like wiping him down getting me ready for him cord cleaning up stuff whatever like there's just a lot going on at that point but this everyone was moving really slow because they could um and I think they were trying to be like really respectful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember Dr. Snap, I just knew of the instance where she took her, um, you cut the cord D, um, Derek cut the cord and then she took her off to the side. So I didn't see her for a little bit. And then again, I did the whole ceiling tile thing, um, where I just stared at the ceiling tile and cried and Derek, kind of laid on me or like laid next to me and we cried. Um, and it was terrible and weird. And my vagina was out just seeing people, which it was just a very more vulnerable than it. I ever thought it could be. And, uh, then Dr. Schnapp came back and said, you know, I checked her, the placenta, the cord, everything, because I delivered the placenta at that point, and um, there's nothing. She goes, I don't see anything just from just a, a visual 
check of her mm-hmm. and the placenta. Like, there was because they thought that it would, could have been like a cord accident um, or some type of issue with the placenta. There was nothing. Everything got tested also, and there was nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the biggest thing that I'm working with right now is like after I like because I'm I don't don't know if everyone knows this, but I'm pregnant right now and like. I just can't, I just want a screaming child mm-hmm. plopped onto me. Like, that's just like my end goal. Like, I, that's, I just want to hear things because it was so hard, everything being silent or very quiet mm-hmm. afterward. Um, and then she, we got to hold her. Um, we got to look at her and she looked like Leo, like instantly. But something with stillbirth that's really, really hard is that they change really fast um, just because that's how it works with, you know, babies who didn't survive. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, she looked a whole heck of a lot like Leo and it was really, it was just weird. Like when Leo, when he first came out, not after like, you know, when he got a little bit bigger, he was a few months old, but they looked the same when they were born. Um, I'm trying to think, but they, they, it was just, everyone was very warm and very kind. A lot of the nurses didn't really know what to say or what to do. And so they just left mm-hmm. like, which totally wonderful. Good mm-hmm. job. Um, but Dr. Schnapp, I just remember she came up and she let us know that everything looked normal and just kind of doted over her like any other baby. And it was really, really sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd also asked later on, like how many people have like how many times have you had to do this in your practice? And we were the sixth. That's it. How long had she been practicing? Uh, Thirteen years, fifteen years, fifteen years. How many babies do you think she's delivered? And it's like six. We're sixth person that this has happened to. The fuck is that type of lottery shit ticket? It's the black lottery. It was tw- no, it was third trimester. Uh, yeah, it was twenty weeks or later. That's what it was. Yeah, so that's pretty. But so it, it that was really hard. Um, and then Brooke came in, and Brooke is the only other person that has gotten to hold her, other than obviously the doctor, and medical staff, and then me and Derek. Mm-hmm. Like you were the only person that met her mm-hmm. in my life, mm-hmm. other than Derek. You know, mm-hmm. and you held her and I was like really thankful that you held her because I just wanted someone else to yeah and like I wasn't sure her. if you guys would want me to I, I was, was afraid like... that you were going to be fearful of holding her because I mean it's this is that's it's weird it's different well, you know it's... how I am with live babies yeah they're I am a little a little weird when you know if, if you I think with Leo if your mom hadn't forced me to hold him I don't know if I would have and Bitsy made me hold Calvin and it's just like I just need that push yeah but I really really wanted to hold Ellen and I was hoping that you guys would initiate that so I could do it but I also didn't want to take one second of the time away from you guys but yeah I I mean she was beautiful yeah I I just it's hard because I I don't remember, I think, what she looks like now, and I don't yeah. have any pictures of her, but I, as soon as I, like, there have been once or twice where we've looked at 
pictures together yeah. and as soon as I see her face I remember back. and yeah. I'm like and and there are times I mean I think about her all the time and and when I think about her it makes me sad because I don't remember what her face looked like but it I just all I remember is how how I felt yeah when I saw her and um just really hard yeah and that's that's kind of what gets me now because I feel like if I ever am trying to recall a memory of her or like just like vividly see her, I have a hard time with it. Mm -hmm. Like I have a hard time seeing that and like the distinct features of it. And it's like, that really sucks. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a really hard one. Mm -hmm. Um, But the two features that really stick out to me are her were her hands mm-hmm. and her hair. She, her hair. Were I, you going to talk about that? I loved her hair. Yeah, Leah was born bald as shit. <laughs> he still barely has hair. Just kidding. <laughs> no, he's got lots of hair he's now. Got flowing mane. I have to cut tomorrow. Which I don't want to. But uh, yeah, she had this. First off, Leo came. Leo is still kind of blonde, but came out with no hair and then had like blonde, like dirty blonde hair. And um, she had hair so she was 28 weeks and she had hair at that point like can't really believe that and it was dark Mm -hmm. like that's how I was born Mm -hmm. my brothers were blonde curly which is what Leo is and I was dark straight hair Mm -hmm. uh and that's like she had dark hair and they were like dark squiggles yeah yeah because they were like wet Mm kind of still and that was really cool to see and I remember it also made me really sad and I was like fuck like I want to, I want to see that with her growing up and like, I, I don't know. It just was like a real, it was a hard hitter for me seeing all the hair and I loved the hair. Mm-hmm. I loved her hair. It was so sweet and perfect and baby hair is just so soft and fine and mm-hmm. perfect anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she had a lot of hair. Um, we then got... I don't think I have much more of that, of the labor and delivery room. I just have a couple other things. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Uh, One thing that always really stood out to me was that I I couldn't get over the fact that she wasn't alive. Yeah. She looked like she would open her eyes up at any moment, and it was like an out-of-body experience holding her because she looked like a sleeping baby, and I could not, my brain could not wrap around the idea that she's not going to open her eyes. Yeah. And also, um, just like being able to, I don't know, just like her little features now that it's like all coming back to me now that we're talking about it and just her, like her little lips were just so cute. Yeah. And, um, I don't know, you can cut this out if it's too much, but like at one point, like her, her mouth was a little open and I got to see like her little tongue and everything like that. Yeah. And it was just like, it was, like incredible and beautiful and like devastating yeah, at the same time. Tragic. It's exactly what it was. And so we basically like, they were really sweet. We took pictures, we took handprints, footprints, stuff like that. Um, I had gotten her a hat, which was a preemie size, which she was, it was still drowning in her. I just didn't know what to do. I like freak bought everything mm-hmm. I could. Cause I was like, this is, I have X amount of moments with her and that's it. So mm-hmm. if I use it, I use it great. If I don't, I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Take my money. 
Um, and that's where her blanket came in. Um, so we had this blanket that I had been eyeing up my whole pregnancy for her. Like once we found out she was a girl and I just hadn't bought it yet. And I wanted to wait till it was closer towards the end. And that's just how I am. And I went to Target and I fucking bought it and brought it to the hospital. And so that's what we kind of wrapped her in. And we had a couple blankets. And so we got to hang out with her in that. And then um, they moved us a room. And I, what? Yeah, we read to her because we, um, I forgot about that. Um, We had a book to kind of help Leo get ready for a sibling. Um, And so we read that to her. And then Millions of Cats, Cats, which was my favorite book. And it was kind of a special one with Leo too. And that's one that Brooke got Leo. And it's just always been something in my childhood too. So that and then and that's when we got moved to the little room and I think they were trying to be really nice but we got moved to a like a postpartum room I don't even know what the fuck it would be used for normally in this hospital the the room that you get that you deliver and you stay in until you leave mm-hmm. um it was the Harry Potter room it was the Harry under Potter the under the stairs trash room <laughs> um so they moved us to the end of the fucking hall which I already thought we were at um but we went like four or five more um, doors down to where it was actually the end room. There was a wall. You could not go any farther. Mm. And we got into this room and it was clearly not touched for what felt like years. Um, and it was like dirty and it smelled like stale and it was super old and outdated. And I know they were trying to get me to as far away as I could be from the other moms and babies and stuff like that, which I get, Um, But I would rather stay in the nice big room with the nice shower and the nice bed and that didn't smell like shit. Um, But it was tiny and dirty and I just wanted to get the fuck out of there. But Dr. Snap talked me into staying another night because she just wanted to monitor me and everything. And so I started doing freaking postpartum stuff like I was taking care of myself and they were doing all the same medical stuff that they had to after you have a baby because I just had a baby. Um, we had Ellen with us until, uh, about seven or eight o'clock, seven o'clock. And she was born at, she was born at like one o'clock. Um, and so we had her for about six hours and we kind of decided, so we, she also, we had pictures done, um, with now I lay me down to sleep, which are, just awesome. We had no idea that these were the people, this was the person that was coming to do the photography. Um, we thought it was like a newborn photographer and I was like getting really protective of Ellen and being like, I don't want someone else that doesn't understand stillbirth or this. Like, this is so different than newborn pictures. Like Mm -hmm. this is like the only things we have of them. And also they look very different Mm -hmm. and she's really small still. And just, it just was, I felt very uncomfortable. And then they kept delaying it. And I was telling Derek, I was like, just fucking have them cancel it. I'm done. I don't want to do the pictures, whatever. Well, they ended up coming like right after we were going to cancel it. And this sweet woman took all these pictures was so sweet and was like, she's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And like she had a, uh, her son was stillborn and, um, it was a great, great experience. Um, and then we had her for maybe another hour after that. And then she just started changing a lot and we really wanted a good 
like we wanted a good last memory of her and it was that was like the hardest thing is deciding because you just I don't know it's really hard to talk about um but just knowing that she was staying at the hospital and we were going home was just like that was really hard and like but I still felt good that I was at the hospital and she was there too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very weird. It was very, it's just a very weird mixed of mix of things. Um, but that's, I think that's one of the hardest things for me to talk about. So I don't want to talk about that much. Okay. Um, but so afterward, I finally got to take a shower. I'm really weird about public showers and I didn't want to touch anything, and I'm six foot two, and the shower was for a baby, I'm pretty sure, and the shower curtain was touching me the whole time, oh, no. and I want to know how many other Harry Potter people were put <laughs> in that fucking shower, and it's it was for a so house gross. Elf. It's Dobby's it was room. so gross. Do you remember that, Derek? Yeah, the trash stuff. Oh, so gross, and everything smelled stale, yeah. and I hated it, and I was just, I mean, you're bleeding and stuff like that. It was ter- It was just terrible. The only good part is that basically they let us fuck off. Mm-hmm. And she said, I'm going to check you for like your blood pressure and all these things. And then I'm not going to touch you until the morning. And I was like, thank you. Please don't. Mm-hmm. I don't need anything. Don't talk to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, don't wake me up. I just want to sleep through this. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to fucking go somewhere else than right here mm-hmm. in my dreams. Or no dreams. I don't care. Just blackness. Just mm-hmm. dark. Just not this. I gotta go. Um, and we passed the fuck out. We ate and we passed the fuck out. Yeah, his parents brought us food. Um, we ate. Didn't talk. Like, we talked a little bit. But we both were just pretty drained. Passed the fuck out. And I remember waking up in the morning being like, what day is it? Mm-hmm. And it was just like between... Like, the trauma and then, like, the physical act of giving birth and everything we had been through in the last however many days and how much sleep we had lost, we were just passed the fuck out. And our nurses were, like, when our nurse was really sweet and she said, at a certain point, I, like, went close to you guys to make sure you're still breathing <laughs> because you had not moved since the last time I checked you. Oh and I was God. like, uh-oh. I even said that. I was no, I Probably can't. Probably your entire life. Yeah. 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 And it was like, I just remember you, like, when something is really bad is happening, when you wake up and you have like that 15 seconds of you don't, rem- like, it doesn't, ha- like, you haven't fully woken up and you are still, like, happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then everything came crashing. Ugh. And then we talked, we had to talk to the doctor and we ran tests or, like, we had to, um, okay, all these tests to be run on Ellen. And we also had to fucking figure out what to do with like her remains and all of that, which no one fucking tells you about. Um, so we had, we figured that out and we had to have a funeral home come pick her up cause we were having her cremated. It was just, it was terrible. Um, but that all got settled. And then basically we went home, we went to the funeral home. Um, Went to the funeral home and uh, they did everything for free for us. And it was supposed to be about $1,000 and they said, this is nothing that you can prepare for. So um, we're 
this is what we do for families that this something like this happens and mm-hmm. it was incredibly sweet so that part was very taken care of and then I had to pick out an urn which was another really hard thing um, because what they like to clump together when you look for infant urns is dog urns oh Jesus did I not tell you this if you did I blacked it out completely because because every time you look for like I would look for infant urns and he told us how many like cubic inches it needed to be and all this shit and I like blacked out I was like I don't fucking care like I'm just gonna get a little urn I don't know uh-huh. and so I would look for him and it was like pet slash infant slash urn. no it was an infant and pet was in the same one because like they're kind of the same size I don't care I don't give a shit yeah so That's some of them not- had paw prints on them and I was like this is for my daughter who died. Yeah, it was fucked. And so I said, I hate all of them, all the metal <sighs> ones, all the classic ones. And so I just found one on Etsy that someone custom made, and it's one of my favorite things. And it has wildflowers all over it, which is, I don't even think I said that about the blankets. Oh, no, the blanket. you didn't. Um, it has, like, wildflowers all over this blanket. And it wasn't even, like a thing before that like wildflowers was not like a thing with mm-hmm. my pregnancy with her before that but like this blanket just really hit home and felt very much like her and very much like us and it just was right um so the blanket had wildflowers all over it and so that has kind of come into our symbol of her for for us and and everything and um so her urn has wildflowers on it and her name, and she's in our living room, and I love having her here. I'm just really glad that I don't do cemeteries. I don't do, like, a, a burial place. Like, it just doesn't do that much for me. This makes me feel much more close and connected to her. I just couldn't imagine leaving her in a spot mm-hmm. that I wasn't at. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That makes sense to me. I'm yeah. sure other people feel different, and that's yeah. fine, but oh, I, yeah. I totally get that. But, um, so the only, the biggest thing for me in the first few weeks that was really, really hard was that my milk came in and this is something that they said that everyone had said it, it could or it couldn't. And I was like, there's no fucking way that it's not going to, like, I already know how my body has changed for this pregnancy. Like, yeah. And I dreaded it because it was something that was really important to me with Leo and important to me with Ellen, you know, with the plan that I would breastfeed and, you know, that's something that I really liked. Like it was, yeah, it was great and terrible at the same time. Breastfeeding is really hard and, you know, some people love it, some people hate it, but I liked the bond of it. And I know my, I think it's really cool that our bodies make that Mm -hmm. and do it for our babies. And so that, um, I was just hoping my milk wouldn't come in, but I knew it was going to. And I remember asking the hospital, everyone, like, what do I do? How do I get rid of it? Like, dry this shit up. Give me the medication. Mm-hmm. How does how do we not have anything that can f- stop this? But no, there really isn't. Um, I took Sudafed, and basically whatever you take out, your body produces. Like, So I was like, I'm not pumping. I'm not doing anything. Um, and so then milk basically turns into a rock inside of your body and your, my boobs were like bright red. I couldn't even be touched or grazed. It was like, it's like the most painful thing. Um, and I got to a breaking point and I was like, okay, I'm going to pump a little bit and I get my fucking pump out 
and I had thrown away parts that are replaceable mm -hmm. since the last time, since I had Leo. And I'm going, holy shit. I think it was like a Sunday. And I was like, there is nowhere I can go today to get this. And I feel like I'm going to die. Like, I feel like my skin is going to split open because my chest hurts so bad and I can't get this shit out. And so I, <laughs> I called or texted the only person that I knew that had the same pump as me, and that is Maria. <laughs> and Maria is the saint among saints that brought her shit over here and also brought me Starbucks. Oh yeah, I love her, and this is like I. This is something that was so meaningful. Like she just, without a thought, mm -hmm. was just like, "Yep, I'm bring my shit." She brought her shit over, and she was like, "Going to Starbucks. What do you want?" Mm -hmm. And like we told her the coffees that we wanted, and then she got us a bunch of freaking treats, like cake pops and like the like loaf slices and all this stuff. And it was like, just the greatest, like. What am I trying to say? It was just the greatest token mm -hmm. that someone could do. And, and it probably feels like nothing. Cause I was like, if that happened to me, I'd be like, take my shit. Like, Oh my God, mm -hmm. let me help you. I can help you with this, you know? Oh, thank God. But that was such a huge thing because I was panicking in that moment. Cause I was like, I can't take one more second of this mm -hmm. pressure on my chest. And it was fantastic. And then I gave Leo the milk because oh yeah I remember I was that. like I'm not wasting this shit this is the nectar of the gods mm -hmm. and it was still like my colostrum so it had like a bunch of antibodies and really great stuff in it. and then I was like drinking my tit milk Leo <laughs> you're fine new band name yeah tit milk. <laughs> but so um, I did that like once or twice and then just tried different teas and fucking cabbage leaves and hot Tabuli? showers. And the tabbouleh is what I was supposed to do with the lots of parsley. I don't fucking know. Tabbouleh. God, I remember that. But, um, I think that's all I... I well, did you want to, um, so I forgot I, I skipped two things. Uh, did you want to talk about what it was like telling people? You, you kind of talked about it a little bit. I didn't know if there was anything that you wanted to add or if there was anything that people said or did that was really supportive, like what Maria did or that was terrible. Um, so the only thing I will say about that is, um, we had the most amazing, we have the most amazing village is kind of what I've always said. It's like, I cannot believe the amount of people that came out of the woodwork that this is either like kind of happened to or, know of someone or whatever and like the couple people that have had stillbirths that are in my life just jumped at it and were like this is what happened to me I get this this happened to me 17 years ago and it still is a big deal mm -hmm. and so it was like super validating to hear those things and then just to see all these people like pour their like the cards and like random I swear it was like the first two weeks we had packages on our door and Derek was like, what did, what is this? What did you get? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Do I have like amnesia? Probably. Um, is it a grief buy? Probably. I was going to say it was, it was a, a trauma order. Uh, but no. And it was like, someone ordered us like someone got us like homemade ice cream from Clementine's and it was smoking 
because it was dry ice and it was, you know, May. And I'm like, is this a bomb? <laughs> like, what's happening? We didn't You're know. Just like, I mean, Derek, it was there's like, a bomb outside. It's par for the course. People <laughs> sent bottles of wine. People sent self care items. Like my close friends rallied together to get me this blanket that is bougie as fuck. <laughs> and I'm currently, I mean, it's like my security blanket that I, I mean, you see me around with it all the mm-hmm. time and it's, you know, important to me and rallied and raised money for me to get this blanket and not raise money, but <laughs> kind of because it was ridiculous. Um, but just everyone just came out of the woodworks and no, whether it was like tangible items or just words or a card or something like we felt very loved and very spoiled um, and supported. And I straight up reclused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was nice having all those things because I was not going to talk to people because mm-hmm. um, I didn't want to. And that's how I do things. I just avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people I still haven't seen, like close family members I still haven't seen since May. Um, partially because I have avoided it and partially because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Thank you, COVID. Um, uh, yeah. Doing this during a, a pandemic is another layer of good and bad. It's isolating, but also a very good shield for things mm-hmm. that you don't want to do or you don't have the energy to say, I don't want to do this because I'm still having a really hard time. Mm-hmm. You could just say, no, I don't feel like doing that or I don't feel safe doing that because of COVID. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. thank you, COVID. Thank so it's you. a blessing and a curse really. <laughs> uh, but so, I mean, 98% of it was just amazing. And the only really hard part was when, family members or people would have like I would I would have to be there for them during my grief Mm. because my grief was so hard for them that I had to comfort them what does that look like so that people might do that and not know so that looks a lot like telling their story about how it affected them and how people are really helping them with this. That was really hard where I'm just like, fuck you. It didn't even happen to you. Like, mm-hmm. but in a, in a weird way, I think it's just, it's a lot of stuff with family members where I was like, people feeling like they need to know you're okay. That was a big one is like, just tell me you're okay. And I'm like, I'm not going to fucking tell you that because, mm-hmm. um, I'm not. And I don't, I don't want to deal with the repercussions of me telling you I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. But then it was also like, I can't believe this happened to me kind of stuff where it's like, no, and and this might not happen to other people, but this happened to me with, with some family members of like, I can't believe that this sad thing happened to my life. And I'm like, uh-huh, huh, my life too. Like, mm-hmm. like the family member or members would say it about themselves. Yes. And that was really hard and nothing else really bothered me that much. Like sometimes I got tired of hearing mostly at the hospital, like I'm so sorry for your loss from people. And I'm just like, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Token grief statement, mm-hmm. move along. Um, but you, but you, I wasn't even mad about that. Cause no, it's like, they don't I mean, know what to say. Right. Um, but not a whole lot bothered me. That's just kind of who I am. But I also just always was like, People don't know what to do. Yeah. People don't know what to do. And they're trying. Mm-hmm. They're 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 getting there. And if it was even a small 
token of support mm-hmm. or a small bit or kind words, I was like, that is really helpful. Yeah. Um, but trying to push someone past their boundaries. If someone is telling you this physically makes them uncomfortable to do, they don't want to do this. They're going to sit out on the holidays or mm-hmm. do whatever. You just say, yep, that's fine. You don't try to push them to do more or push them to do like a, a small little get together or like 10 minutes or an hour or whatever. If someone's telling you their boundaries and with their grief, just listen to them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Don't push them. It's not, this is not a moment where they need to be pushed out of their grief or other, you know, if they're reclusing, whatever they're healing in their own way and in on their own timeline, mm-hmm. leave them the fuck alone. If they're telling you what they need. And if you're having a reaction to that, that is a you problem. Yeah. And so, to, and I will also say that to, to anyone who is going through grief or going through trauma or hard times, if you have those boundaries and that's what makes you comfortable, you stick by those, mm-hmm. even though that is really hard. And I got to use COVID a lot for ones that were pushed and pushed and pushed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made it easier because there weren't as many like get togethers or things I wanted, didn't want to go to Mm -hmm. because of COVID. Um, but there are still things that I'm not going to, like I'm not going to baby showers, Mm -hmm. um, half because of COVID because I don't want to be around a bunch of people because I don't need to be doing that. Mm -hmm. And half because I just really don't want to go to baby showers. Mm -hmm. Those are still really hard for me, even though I'm pregnant. Um, I can't do it. I, it's going to take a while for me to be able to do those things. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I'm okay with and saying, that's really hard. I will reach out to the person that the baby shower is for Mm -hmm. and send a gift and be really happy for them. Um, and be supportive of them, but I'm not going to go for the whole fanfare of seeing all the people and Mm -hmm. do the games and all the shit that, um, comes along with a baby shower and being excited for a baby, like fuck off. In the nicest way. <laughs> <laughs> Please fuck off. Yeah. And I mean that in the most loving way. Yeah. And when we had baby showers right afterward, I was just like, I don't even want a fucking invitation. I remember mm-hmm. I was pissed when we got an invitation. I was like, read the room, man. Right. Read the goddamn room. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> baby showers suck without having to deal with stillbirth yeah. and infant loss. So, yeah, that is just. Yeah. Like, even your own baby shower sometimes, it's like. It's a thing. Like, it's hard. Like, in wedding showers and stuff like that, like, mm-hmm. they're really fun. And then, but then you have to do all the cliche bullshit. Mm-hmm. But whatever. But um, that's really it. And I also have to touch on the support that we got through our GoFundMe page. Oh. And that's something I, I didn't... wanted to bring up. And that's another thing that... um was just amazing. So Brooke put together a GoFundMe page and didn't tell us. <laughs> it was <laughs> but, a secret. Um, we were hit with pretty, pretty hefty um, hospital bills for a daughter we didn't have, get to bring home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was almost twice the amount of our living son, um, which is pretty fucked. Mm-hmm. And Brooke and my close friend's fucking sent it out and rallied around us and raised the money and we basically paid for a hundred percent of our hospital bills and it is something I don't have a lot of words for. It was really hard for us to accept that. Um 
and dealing with our pride of being able to, to do that and to pay for our own hospitals and stuff. But it was really hard because I got slapped with like $5,000 of bills that didn't need to fucking happen mm-hmm. or most of them didn't need to happen. Like we didn't, whatever. But it just, I, if anyone is listening to this that did contribute to it, I just want to, I just want you to know how helpful that was for us. It was a total, it really took a stress off of this shit sandwich. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't have a lot of words. Yeah. So I just wanted to acknowledge that because a lot of people don't have this and, mm-hmm. um, I also have a brachography in my life and not a lot of people have that either. And she was here through again, 98% of this and was a rock and did not waver. Even though this was traumatic for her too. I'm like talking about this and you're sitting in front of me, but this is just something that I can never repay you for. Um, and it's just, I don't know how this would have happened without you or how this would have worked without you. And I love you so much. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I didn't write that on the agenda and I wasn't expecting it. And I, I yeah, I, I don't know what to say. I just, I, I'm glad that I could be part of the journey and I always want to be here for you guys. Yeah. And you were, and it's, I think that, not only me, but like Derek, I don't, I don't know. I know you helped him a lot with this too. And this process and you walked hand in hand with both of us. And it's, I was going to say earlier, whenever you left after Ellen was born, I, I, I was scared when you left. Mm. I didn't want you to leave. Oh my God. I didn't know that. Yeah. I never really talked about that. I scare him. It was like, like, uh, oh man. The best way I can describe it and the feeling I had is like whenever we came home, it's fine. No, it's fine. I was talking whenever we had, whenever we had Leo, and that first night you came home, we came home, and you're just like, what the fuck? Holy shit. Like we're on our own. It's like weirdly that same feeling, but like it was just like made it a lot more real. Yeah. Because you were like an escape while we were going through everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you guys. <laughs> this is like fucking sucks. Like it just sucks. Like it. Thanks for saying that. I appreciate it. You didn't have to say any of that shit. Um, I know. I mean, did you get the last line? <laughs> Do you want me to cry now? <laughs> I'm the only one that fucking teared up. Enough? Is this enough? <laughs> right. Where's the moisture? <laughs> No, Derek got me a little bit with his memories. I started tearing up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Feelings. Uh-oh, Rachel. Uh-oh, feelings. Yeah. Uh-oh. Well, we basically got through it. I'm looking through to see if there <laughs> is uh, anything that I wanted to ask. No, I like the, um, the – another big part was blaming yourself. You have a – that was such a good – I didn't even think about – that I'm glad mm-hmm. that you put that in the outline and that was a big one and I beat myself up for so long about it. I guess it wasn't even so long, but it was 
very, very intense when it was happening. Um, and it subsided a little bit or it had kind of quieted down. And then when I had my six week postpartum visit, I basically sat there and wrote down all my questions of, is it because I did this? Is it because I did this? And I had to, I, I mean, Derek was there. I had to ask 15 questions and I told Dr. Schnapp, I said, I know the answer to these, but I need to ask you and I need to hear it from my doctor Mm -hmm. what the answers are to these. Mm -hmm. And so I basically asked, is it because I drank caffeine? Is it because I had like a glass of wine? Is it because I um, slept on my back? Is Mm -hmm. it because I didn't eat exactly what I was supposed to eat? Is it because I took this vitamin? Is it because I did this thing? Is it because, you know, this? Is it because like, I mean, it just anything that I could have even a little bit of control over with my body like, am I the reason mm-hmm. that she died? Mm-hmm. And Dr. Schnapp just let me do that and answered the questions. And she was like, there is nothing, there is no reason mm-hmm. that we have for you. This is not you. Mm-hmm. And it was like a little bit of a weight lift. And it still is really hard because I do feel my body failed me and failed us and failed Ellen. And we still don't know. We don't have a reason and we're never going to, um, which is hard, but also a kind of a relief in itself. Like it just, it just happened. It happened to us and, um, we're kind of just still moving through that, but having to continue on and also being pregnant a second time or being pregnant the first time after that is just the innocence is gone on a lot of things, um, which I don't know how it wouldn't. Um, but yeah, it's just the blaming yourself stuff is very hard and people do that with miscarriages also Mm -hmm. and infertility and infant loss and all of this terrible stuff. You just want to fucking blame yourself. Mm -hmm. It's the first thing you want to do and you want to be pissed at your body or, upset with your body or upset with your genes or whatever it is. And it's Mm -hmm. not fair. That's not fair to yourself. And it's really easy for me to say this right now, but I still have those really, really dark moments. Of course. Um, But I just want anyone who is listening to this to know that it is not your body. It's not your fault. Mm -hmm. Do not blame yourself for this. And that's really easy to say and hard to do. Mm -hmm. I think I want people that haven't experienced it to also hear that because I think that people can be judgmental. I mean, it's hard being a mom. It's hard being a pregnant person. It's hard being a fucking woman because you can't, you know, shit and drink coffee at the same time without somebody like trying to tell you you're gross. I don't know. Yeah. But (laughs) I I want people to hear that. And so when they hear about people going through things like this, they check themselves. Yeah. You know, if you're having thoughts about this person's experience that you have no fucking clue about, but I just get really protective over that, especially like going, being with you guys going through this yeah. and just knowing how people are and people can be judgmental. So just think like, you don't know what's going on. You have, and that I felt like I had to tell people that I had, mm-hmm. feel like I had to tell people there was no reason because and you shouldn't have to. Yeah. I, but I, that's the biggest thing I was like, I could tell people there was no reason. Mm-hmm. So I'm jumping the gun that they can't say, mm-hmm. Oh, it's cause she drank coffee. Mm-hmm. my, you know, my wife didn't do that. I didn't do that in my pregnancies. Yes. Blah, 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 blah. And that's why I have safe. a live child and you don't. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. not the case. So like I was always, and people also made assumptions. This was really hard too. People made assumptions of what happened. Um, and I had a friend that was like, oh yeah, cause she had a chromosomal abnormality. I was like, nope, she actually didn't. So I don't know who told you that because <laughs> sure shit wasn't me because that didn't fucking happen. But people had all of these prejudged of what happened or what our story was. And it's not the case. So that's why I was big about saying, Nope, she was perfect. Mm -hmm. We had wonderful scans and great doctor's appointments and she came out perfect for her gestational age Mm -hmm. and they found nothing. So eat my ass. (laughs) But, um, Mm -hmm. that was really hard. Don't judge other people about their loss or what happened. And that is hard to do because that's what we do as humans. Because mm-hmm. we want to know too. Like yeah, you even... need to make sense of things. Yes. This is a thing I can tell you with 100% certainty. I'm not trying to hide behind something. There is, we don't have a reason. Mm-hmm. So which dates are important to you? Um, so the dates that, um, the first date that was really important to us was her due date, which was August 6th. Um, and we took a trip for that, which was fantastic just to get away. We shut off our phones. We spent time just together. Um, we took Leo. We all went to um, Lake Michigan and did kind of a quick beach thing. It was awesome and small and great. And it was it was really great. And then I think the next big one for me is going to be her her birthday. And it's weird to call it her birthday and it's lumped into all of our birthdays and shit day and all of it. So I don't really know what that's – I think we're talking about taking another trip because mm-hmm. I can't be here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's spanned throughout – I mean, it's from like the 8th until the 12th. They're just garbage days. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's a long span of shit days um, mm-hmm. to try to cover for a vacation. I'd be sad at. <laughs> so we're trying to figure that out. Um, but those are big ones. And I remember I was going to be really upset if some of my family members forgot her due date. Um, but I don't think anyone will forget her birthday <laughs> because it was terrible. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a big thing. And that's something I always want to celebrate is her birthday. Like, I don't think that I'll celebrate her due date. Um, I think it'll always be a special day for me, but mm-hmm. I don't think that I think the first time it was really, really a big deal. And then I don't have a, a major pull towards it. Do you Derek? No. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. We're on the same page with that. That's nice to know. Would you like, forward. do you want people to acknowledge that? Like text you and be like, Hey, yeah. just want you to know, Happy birthday, Ellen. Yeah, happy yeah. birthday, Ellen, thinking about you And, guys. like, I think that I'll make, like, some type of a cake mm-hmm. or something for her and have Leo blow out the candles and we'll sad eat it <laughs> um, over this kitchen sink with our hands. <laughs> um, again, I use comedy. Yeah. Hey. I know, and I should be calling you on it, but I'm doing it, too, I because I'm uncomfortable. It's sad. <laughs> it's too sad. It's too it's sad. It's sad. So, it's yeah. It's too sad. We've only thought about little bits and pieces because the other issue is that it's Leo's birthday and my birthday. So it's like we're trying to roll happy into sad um, because Leo got chipped a birthday basically Mm -hmm. last year. And so we still want to do something for him, but it's mashed into those terrible days. So I keep putting it off, but we need to make a game plan. Um, 
but yeah, navigating that's going to be the next big hurdle for me. Um, and I'm actually really excited to hit a year and have a year under my belt mm-hmm. that we survived a year. We survived this and the, all the first, like, so I talk a lot in therapy about, I, so my therapist talks a lot in therapy about or in the beginning about all the firsts being really, really hard and that being like, you've got to get through the first, the first holidays, the first, you know, the due date, the birthday, the first that come up in that year that are important to you. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's something that has really resonated with me and has really, um, kind of put a goal in my head Mm -hmm. a little bit of like getting through that year and feeling some type of relief Mm -hmm. because I really do see that happening for me is hitting that year mark and going, okay, we did all the firsts. Like these are all going to be really hard still, Mm -hmm. but the firsts are done. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's what comes up next for me. I love therapy. Yeah. (laughs) Therapy. Therapy is great. Is there anything else you want to add? Go to therapy. Mm -hmm. If something bad happens to you like this, you deserve it. My therapist is an angel sent down from actual heaven. Mm -hmm. And I don't really know where I would be on this journey without her Mm -hmm. and the support that I get from not only therapy, but my friends, my family. It also helps having a therapist best friend. (laughs) 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 It's just nice. It's very validating. Mm -hmm. Um, Go to therapy. If you're a dad, go to therapy if you want to, I guess. But I think it's really helpful and beneficial Mm -hmm. for that. If you're a dad, all of these things matter too. Um, I'm not going to say much about dad stuff because I know probably zero men are listening. (laughs) (laughs) All of our male listeners. Yeah, all of our male listeners perk on up. Uh But yeah, it's, I think that dads, like I said before, dads get pushed. I think we could do a small segment on these equipment. Yeah. Um, and that's something there could really talk on because he has firsthand experienced it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, d- I don't really have, have much more. Is there, is there a specific way that you're wanting to end on? Is there anything that you want to end on? I can't think of anything. I just, I thank you guys for listening to this and letting me still share my daughter's story because what is one thing that's really hard for me is to know that I don't have more new moments with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a way to like continue her kind of being in our lives and continuing to tell the world that she existed and she was real and she will have an impact on someone or help another mom that goes through this or another family that goes through this. Even though it is a one in a hundred, that's still too high. Mm -hmm. And if this helps anyone, thank you for sitting through the probably two hours that it was, my God. (laughs) Um, But it's just, it's something that has been a goal of mine this entire time. So, yeah, I am really proud of you for getting through that. The, um, it's something you've been talking about for a long time. You've, you I did am it. a shell. Right. Rachel's shutting down. I am shutting down. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. You did but it. Thank you guys. And 
this podcast has been another very big thing that has gotten me through a lot of this. Yeah. Um, so thank you guys for listening and supporting us and loving us. Be nice. Please be nice. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being there. there. Everybody's thinking. The whole world's thinking us. Thinking you. Thinking us. Kill the turkey. Kill the turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Very weird. All right. We did it. Bye. We did it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you guys. Rachel. This is awkward. <laughs> think, think, hey, did hey, you thanks. remember to thank the, the thanks, listeners? listeners. Rachel. We'll be back to funny stuff. Um when we are oh yeah we got some stuff for you we got some funny stuff Stay sorry, tuned. sorry the last one was mostly poop i almost said that at the beginning of this episode but i didn't want to start no. ellen's little podcast on poop but we can definitely end it on poop if we want there was a lot of poop, a lot of poop.